It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the Nerd Party. John, we're not even going to start this one normal because it's totally not normal. Uh, Welcome everybody to Aggressive Negotiations. This is the first actual meeting of the Jedi Masters in person and we are in neither of our own homes, John. Uh, that's true. We are actually uh, in the, uh, the the domicile of another Jedi Master uh, that uh, graciously extended an invitation uh, to what what planet are we going to assign this to? Fair, fair, Fairfix. <laughs> so, okay, there you go. All right, I like that. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, well, welcome, welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you so much for having us. Welcome home, and thank you for having me. Well, I mean, I don't, I. Gosh, I think um, we are all a little uh, dumbstruck. Uh, at least John and I are. For Nick, this is second nature. Uh, we just got to hang out at Skywalker Ranch all day. And uh, John, um, I, what were your first? And I'm just, I'm this again. It's totally different. What were your first impressions of just kind of? You know, we've seen pictures of it, right? But what what was it like, kind of being there for you? Uh, pictures don't do it justice. It's a, uh, it's an absolutely gorgeous, um, experience. It's even aside from the fact that we know what has been made there, uh, and who has been there and the creative teams that have come through, it is simply a place that boggles the mind in its natural beauty. It is a a place that is humbling in its scale and its scope in terms of what you are walking through and around and seeing, and it it really just feels like another place entirely. It's almost like you've stepped through something. I mean, you know, but there's something so familiar about it at the same time, which is I don't know, maybe the the country boy in me coming out. But that that was my first impression. What about you? It is. It's really funny. You you mentioned that uh, that it feels like a whole other place in time. And in the house, the main house, there are all of these wonderful pictures, uh, originals by American classic artists. And one of them is Norman Rockwell. And I feel like when you walk in that house, it, it almost feels like you're walking into a Norman Rockwell painting. Uh, and we were sitting on the porch at the end of the tour, and it just... It, what it looks like is picture the pictures you get of Tuscany people in your minds and put a big Victorian-style house in the middle of that. You're looking at, you know, off on this this right-hand side, there's even a vineyard, you know, that's creeping up, and, and then olive trees, and so it's magical. I mean, there, there's no other way to describe it. It's just absolutely magical. Uh, and so... 
you know, those are our experiences with it. But I kind of want to ask you, Nick, uh, you actually got the opportunity to work at different places on the ranch. Um, and so what were some of your best memories of, about um, getting the opportunity to work in the carriage house? You, you worked at Big Rock. You worked at the, at the house. What, what was that like for you? Well, first, you know, I'm the greatest thing about having you guys here is that it um, it's one of those moments that really helps the magic stay alive for someone like me. Uh, not that I've ever lost it, but you know, there are moments where certain things happen, whether on your own or whether you share that experience with friends, which are that sort of little pinch of the of the arm going, yep, this is this is this is everything that this is everything that it's made out to be. And um so I that's why I'm very thankful and grateful to the two of you for sharing that this afternoon with me. Um as far as like these special moments, there's there's a lot. Uh, there's a there's you know many. Um among the few, you know, that I would single out, um I would say probably first the first time that I walked through the main house myself. Um, I was an intern um, at Lucasfilm, and at that point, I didn't know whether I was ever going to get a job at Lucasfilm or not, and it was one of those moments where I was just completely in the moment of just being happy and feeling lucky that I had gotten to be in a place where I had been picked to be part of this for, for the time that I was and that I was given the chance. And again, I remember thinking... This is one of those moments, you know, there's a lot of things in life where you you feel like, okay, it's built up to be a certain thing, and then when you live it, when you see it, when you feel it, when you hear it, it's not necessarily disappointing, but you're like, okay, there's the reality versus what what people say or, you know, the... And then there are moments, precious few in life, where you experience something and it matches exactly what you made it out, what you thought, what you imagined, what you wished, you hoped it would be. It's like one of those moments where sometimes... You have you eat the first bite of what you ordered or what you cooked, and it completely lines up with what you wanted to eat, and it feels so good. And it was one of those moments, you know. I remember walking through the main house for the first time. I was twenty-four, something like that, and twenty-three, twenty-four, and thinking, "Wow." This is exactly what I've dreamed of my whole life. This is exactly what I thought, hoped it was. Um, and I was telling you guys earlier, um, those smells got burned into my mind. And now it's one of those things kind of like childhood, you know, where instantly, and I, and I really am so appreciative of that. I can walk into the main house, and it doesn't matter how long I've been gone Instantly, I'm brought back to that moment when I first walked in as a 23-year-old intern. And I feel that it's, it's funny how, you know, your sense of smell is the most powerful and it just brings me right back and it makes me feel the intensity and the happiness of that moment. So that's definitely one, one of those moments. Another one specifically for um, the ranch is uh, um, when a few years later... Uh, I had just become an editor at, at ILM, and um, I was going to work on Attack of the Clones, and I told you guys that story. Um, myself and the senior editor, um, Scott, we 
were tasked with helping Ben Burt, who was going to co-edit the film, getting started with cutting some animatics, and he wasn't too familiar with the software that that they were going to use. And we got to go for a little while. It was the pre-production of Attack of the Clones. Um, and again, it was one of those moments where I'd just been promoted, and, and I felt like, okay, you know, my life is falling in, in, in line with what it's supposed to be. And, and I felt very privileged, not special, but actually humbled to find myself on the basement in the cutting room with this guy, you know, who I knew Ben Burt was one of my childhood heroes, uh, who himself was so humble um, and such a kind person. And it's one of those moments where you catch yourself and you go, you know, I'm here in this in the, in George's cutting room with Ben Burt, who is actually, you know, talking to me as a peer, and it makes no sense, and it's awesome, <laughs> and thank you very much. Um, and uh, um, and then another one was fast forward into my life a few years later um, when I started on the Clone Wars and. The first year of my of my life on the Clone Wars, we were at at the ranch before we moved to Big Rock, and uh, we um, it's actually two one brief one. My first week, um, I and I told you that story as well. I I was in one of those edit suites, which in itself the room was there's nothing special about it, but the window open on a deck that overlooks the view out of the main house, and. I just, you know, I'd been working at ILM for almost 10 years at that point. But still, again, I, I found this place, and that's the, the recurring theme about it, able to take my breath away. And I stepped onto the deck and looked at the view, and I couldn't help myself. I wasn't really even trying to. But I took a picture and sent it to my friends at work, and I'm like, I'm at work right now. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, um, and then uh, uh, probably... After that, you know, in terms of my, my experience, my relationship speci specifically to the place, um, I want to put a little footnote about Big Rock because it was a very special, very, very special place. And there's a little bit of sadness because that one is kind of now becoming a footnote in history. The, the ranch is still what it is. ILM is still what it is. But Big Rock is no longer really functioning as one of Georgia's facilities. And Big Rock was kind of like a balance of things. Big Rock had everything you guys saw and witnessed the beauty and the serenity of of the ranch with the sort of state of the art technology um of ILM and the more modern campuses and and I think because of the creativity because of the 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 protection literally that George and Dave imbued imbued it with um it was a place like no other um to work at and there's, I'm not going to cite a specific time because there are too many over the six years I worked there, but literally every week we'd have to spend take a moment to remind ourselves of how special of a time it was for us to be there. Um, yeah, so th those would be it. Awesome. I, and, and the thing is, hearing those stories and being able to uh, envision what you're talking about you know, ha having having seen it and everything is is really wild. And uh, so something something that struck me uh, while we were walking around, and as you shared uh, some of these stories with us, was the 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 absolute genuine feeling that that comes out of you that that you share, w you know, with us with it with everybody 
about it, it's not an it, this hasn't been uh, an intellectual exercise for you. This is what I think uh, is really resonant is the fact that this time that you're talking about is something that's so emotionally responsive with you. And it's, I, I think that that in, in a very large sense, regardless of what it is that you're doing, when you encounter somebody who can connect and share that sort of emotional thing, and you know that they have had that experience. I mean, that's, that's really cool. Like to be able to, to hear you tell these stories is, is really awesome. You, you're, you're very, you're very, you're absolutely correct. And, and it matters to me. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to not want to be cynical. Um, and not really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be genuine with who I am and the things that I care and love. And, um, so I think it's important for me to kind of just say things the way they are, um, the way I feel them. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of people in my industry and in, you know, in general, um, we, we live in the age of cynicism and the cat's having a crazy time right now. Um, it's, it's, it's his red hour, <laughs> a little bit of Star Trek, uh, a reference there. Um, but you know, like we live in an age of cynicism where, where people, are, you know, have to be cool all the time. And I don't care if I'm cool or not cool. I'm just gonna say things again. I've, I've passed the age to try to pretend to be anything other than what I am. Um, and and like you said, these things, you know, for whatever meaning my life has had, they, they connect me to everything that's happened in my life, including personal things. Um, so so you know, call it fate, call it the force, call it you know, um, divine destiny or whatever. It, it it definitely is the meaning and the line of my life. And I think that I see. In it also a responsibility in my own way to spread a word kind of, you know, about the people I worked with, about people like Dave and George, because that also descends directly from their lineage. These are people, and it's very important for anyone, you know, who who, who hears this to know no one's perfect and everyone makes mistakes you can like or not like what what you know these creatives and these people have done at times in their careers, but these are people who, like you know, you said, um, are are very genuine. Um, their love, their passion for what they did, what they do, is one hundred percent authentic. And the only reason why I was able to uh, experience what I did is because they themselves imbued their work and everyone surrounding it with that same authentic passion. And so I always try when I can. To, to let people know it's real. These guys are the real deal. They, they, you know, everything you read about them, everything they say, it's not fluff, it's not media, it's not to, 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 help, to help sell their product. They really believe it, and they really love it. I think that was something that, as we were walking through the house, that you could feel. And, and I, I love the idea that we're talking about a place that, that Lucas created and that so many people have come through that that we all know of through film. Um, you know, we got to walk around ILM as well, and you, you look at the uh, the speaker board of all these people in film, m mostly directors, but uh, actors that have come and, and spoken uh, and everything. And, and there's this, especially at Skywalker Ranch, there's this sense that you get there that this is a place to come to be comfortable enough in your own skin where you are 
to basically enjoy God's creation so you can create incredible things that people will love, you know? And I, I think that's the thing that when, you, when you're when you there, it's hard to describe. George has done such a good job of creating a place where people can feel free to be the best versions of themselves so they can create the best version of whatever it is that they're trying to create. And I think that is something that makes George Lucas so special because he was willing to pour back into, uh, you know, generations of filmmakers and try to give them an opportunity to have an easier place to create than where he came from with so much struggle of trying to come to that place of freedom of, I can do what I want to do with my own creation. Well, and I think also speaking to the authenticity, um, is I I agree that the interior interior of the house is is wonderful and being an ILM is wonderful and, and the, the exterior of the house. But I was wondering if you could speak because I think this speaks to the authenticity as well of the fact that Skywalker Ranch takes steps to conserve, preserve, and actually help the surrounding uh, environments. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and and I'm happy to. I mean, again, like you said. Um, George's George always is very is a very genuine person, and uh, Matthew was talking about his desire to inspire creatives in in you know in film uh, directors and writers and so on, um, and you know there are aspects of George's personality which you can see again. This is how you also see that it's genuine. You can see them translate and bleed over into other aspects of life and his life. And just like we could talk about the efforts he made to create the space for filmmakers, for himself, to be able to be inspired, George is someone who's also very dedicated to, well, the environment, um, dedicated to um, beauty, <laughs> really, to put, it, to put it that simply. And, and he, he wanted to try to create um, a, a space which was safe for beauty um, nature to prosper, to prosper, and and he um, he came at it from that from that uh, perspective under every angle. Um, he basically the part of the reason why he bought you know secured this 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 lifetime lease on on this land um, that the ranch is built on is to protect it and to not actually more to go beyond protecting it, but to restore it to what it looked like before. It was affected by um, humans coming in and having to log it and deforest it uh, for the building of San Francisco and a lot of the Bay Area. And uh, um, there's this again, this this desire for authenticity. For it, it translates, you know, again, it it all kind of bleeds into one another. If you look at George's philosophy on the Force in Star Wars and what the Jedi are, um, and again for for fans, you know, who who love that and who love the philosophy, I want to tell them, don't let anyone ever mock you into kind of saying, well, this is just a made-up story. It's not true. Because it's just as real of a philosophy as any other, and you can see its real-life applications in the way that George led his own life and the things he did. Um, and, you know, this is someone who took uh, the conservancy of 6,000 acres of land um, for no other reason than just the betterment of that land of nature and through that also of mankind right it's just if we if we are stewards of the land then we we don't just help the land we help ourselves in the process we better ourselves and and um 
I was telling you guys, um, for example, every year we had to we had to have kind of a little seminar with the fire and safety people um, at, at Skywalker Properties um, about being good stewards of the land. Being and they would actually use those terms. They would say we are stewards, and you have to be good neighbors to nature. And they would teach us about the wildlife that lives there and how to be able to enjoy ourselves, but also let it prosper. Um, and, uh, um, you know, this is something that George has done his whole life. I mean, you see you see it translate into the money that he's invested into his alma mater and his, his school uh, for education, um, the money that he has paid out of pocket for the building of his museum in L.A. Um, he's completely funding it himself. And, you know, some of the more cynical people might say, well, you know, he's basically building a, a, a monument to his own legacy. I, it's not really what it's about. Um, because, and I'm just speaking, I'm completely going off, this is me, me just saying that, and it's my opinion, it's not something that anyone else has told me. But I would wager that if someone said, hey, guess what, Mr. Lucas, you get to build it on the condition that it's not called the George Lucas anything. It's just called an anonymous thing. He would probably say, okay, that's fine, you know. Um, so I think that, you know, George, once he became Mr. Lucas, saw his name at times as a, as a tool that would allow him to get what he wanted done, but never as a way to serve his own hubris or his ego. Um, and so it's the same thing. It translates into the conservancy for the land. It translates into um, the museum. And uh, it, it permeates and pervades um, through the legacy that he's building now for for film and and things like the ranch and I, and I think just to draw as a contrast and that you know this is not to um to th this isn't you know casting an aspersion on anybody but you know you know lucas comes out of that that same school that gave us coppola and scorsese and, and not literal school but you know that same time period and i think it's so interesting because being at skywalker ranch you see evidence of everything that you just talked about and then you contrast that with people who are his friends who are also filmmakers and the way they've conducted themselves when they encounter success or they encounter power and those sorts of things and it's so fascinating to see that sort of contrast with them because they're all incredibly talented people in their own right and they've all created these masterworks but then each one has done something different with the way they've conducted themselves. And I think that that is something very much having now been to the ranch where I have a true full appreciation for how different he was from everybody else. And it's so easy to get when you're only talking about his works to have people say, Oh, fanboy, Oh, you're, you're not paying, but to see evidence, I think of his personality on display like that, as opposed to maybe a filmmaker who's had, you know, continual financial trouble and, you know, his sort of things, you know, start and sputter as they go through time. And, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, you can piece together who I'm talking about with these different filmmakers and other filmmakers who encounter success and maybe, you know, they lead a little bit of a wild lifestyle, you know, on, on the edges and stuff like that. And they all came from the same era and, I think that what what makes uh, the ranch so special, and also, of course, his work so special, is you see that tie to that that pinning, that underpinning of what made him 
uh, made him different and able to do it. Um, and I, I just think that 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 is a really, you know, a really fascinating thing to see somebody's personality so on display like that. Like, it is a legacy declaration of who he is uh, to the world. The idea of, of the way that, that George gave back, I think we were talking about on the way uh, away from the ranch, which was a sad moment. But, um, you know, it, we were talking about the, the idea of it's this Walt Disney type of legacy, and I think that's what George has, not in a theme park, you know, where we visit and it's cute, um, but in the way in which Disney built into, he built an animation studio. He he created a place where he was free to create, you know, he created success, so he was free to create the way he wanted to. You know, like Honestly, the, the only person I can think of that has that kind of legacy right now has been George Lucas. And then the other one um, after him has been Peter Jackson in the way that he set up the Weta companies uh, and which he modeled specifically as we talked about uh, while we were walking around the ranch after, you know, uh, what Lucas had done, he, you know, Jackson came to visit. And so, you know, I think the, the thing that struck me um, and, and something that we, we talked about being in one of the rooms is John, I think you mentioned this, the, the idea that the rooms Everything feels a little bit oversized. No, that was, that was okay. Okay, it was Nick. Okay. Um, I, I was so, oh, it's hard to keep track when we were, because everything was so mind blowing. But um, everything feels so oversized so that you, Nick, you said it made you feel as that you're a kid again. It's easy to be a kid again. And it's almost like it allows you to be kind of, you walk in and you kind of feel enveloped in this joyous kind of otherworldly experience as if I was walking into the Nexus and my perfect family to bring in Star Trek again I was there. But that's the only thing that I can think of that, you know, like that's how the ranch kind of feels. And and so I, I you know, um, I don't know, John, take, take it away. No, no, no. no. I, what I was going to say was that there's one room in specific that didn't, that didn't hit that. And I almost wonder if that's maybe a subconscious thing or something like that, but um, overall, the library feels that way, but when you're in the stacks, it feels much more school-esque. Like, it, I wonder if there's a subconscious thing at play where it's like, okay, here's the learning room. You know, like, and that, that's always been a chore. You know, like, that, that yeah, you know. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think, I think that there is something, you know, and it's funny because I... We're gonna do a little bit of cross pollination, but I I listened to the Outpost, you know your your podcast, Matt, um, and um, you know when I hear you guys um, sometimes talk about Hogwarts and the way that J.K. Rowling specifically you know built in in the books Hogwarts to be, especially for someone like Harry who at this point earlier in the in the books when he's younger is almost kind of the outsider, the the point of view of us coming into this magical world, right? All of a sudden, you have this this the epitome of safety of what any kid, if they could, if they could say, okay, this is my this is my this is my safe place. This is where I feel, you know, like I can just let go and be a kid and not worry and be taken care of. It, it reminds me a little bit of that, and and even it's funny to a certain degree. You talk about the library, John, and 
because it made me think of that because you get the sense, maybe that's just me, in, in those books that even the parts that are kind of the ones that you're like, okay, here we go, that's where I go to learn or whatever, there's still kind of this childlike, but that's the cool version of it. That's the yes. one where, where, you know, it's a drag, but not really. Yeah. It's a drag, but actually, if, there, if I'm going to have to do this, this is the place where I want to do it. And, and I think the library has that where you feel like, and I remember we would talk about that when we worked there. And I'm, that's probably just conditioning from any library, you know, and being, I guess, well-raised is you always felt like you had to be very quiet in the library and yeah. be serious, you know, and not like joke, you know, about <laughs> stuff. Um, but at the same, so there's, that's, I think, the element you talk about where you feel like, oh, somebody's watching me. Like, I, I have to be on my best behavior. But at the same time, you're like, this is the place where I could totally just, like, read a book and kind of nod off. And just listen to like a TikTok of a grandfather clock and feel like, okay, this is cool. Yeah. Well, and what's so great about that idea of being quiet? So we walk into the library and there's somebody using the library. Yes. And Pablo Hidalgo is actually studying there for some, uh, we, we didn't ask him what he was doing. You know, Pablo can't really talk about, he was working. Yeah. Exactly. But I, I just, it, 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 it had that feeling that this is still a place where people come, they you know, as George set it up, it's there for you to be able to do research, just pull books off the shelf to be able to look at things. And uh, I think you mentioned it felt like a, a just slightly smaller version of the Beauty and the Beast library, but it's pretty much what it looks like. And there's, I mean, there's this gorgeous rotunda um, uh, skylight, stained glass skylight that it's, it's gorgeous. There's a fireplace there set up with these wonderful leather chairs that just looks like the kind of place you would want to sit down with a good book and smoke a cigar and have some whiskey with. And there's these wonderful books that, of course, you wouldn't be smoking around. I'm just yeah, waxing eloquent. Uh, yeah, we and don't we're not advocating smoking. No, don't smoke, kids. No, don't smoke. Um, and, and I mean, but but the whole place is just this gorgeous beautiful, well-thought-out, idealized version of what everybody would want in a creative space. And I think, to me, what I love seeing is that by being at the ranch, you can, you're in the heart of George Lucas for what it meant to be a creator and to pass on that ability for others to create. And I think... That's the thing that endears me so much to this man who I admire and respect uh, for his tenacity. But when you're at that place, there's just a whole other level of, of what it makes you feel for George Lucas and, and his desire to, to create a place and to just give back. And I think, you know, that's something maybe this world might be lacking a little bit. We were talking about that with other movies and the idea of, of, of just that, that, that kind of optimism about our world. And I, th I think something like Skywalker Ranch reminds you that this world can be an incredibly beautiful place if, if we take care of it and think of others maybe first. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, I, and to, to layer on top of that, sort of, um, I, guess, I guess one of my one of my neatest observations being inside was the fact that I'd always read in all of these different books uh, about, you know, that mentioned Skywalker Ranch, that uh, he 
had the idea that each room had a story. Like the house was new, but it had a story. You know, this this section of the house was added, that and and all of that stuff. And you do in fact get that sense. And I think that that is amazing because you can walk into the place and you get the sense of a storyteller just in that, that each room, it's not telling you specifically what its story is, but you have a sense of history and how, how easy, not easy, but, but how completely he can create a world. But also, and the, the, I, I guess this would be sort of like a summation for me uh, of it is when you're outside, you're outside, you're in creation, you are observing and you're loving and you're, you are reminded of your place in nature and nature's place in your life. But when you walk in that house, it's completely separate. You're completely unaware of what's out there. And that is, yeah, it's so wild. And I, I can imagine, I mean, uh, just the, 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 the creative processes that were stimulated by that just had to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, you guys touched on two two really important things that I, that I want to stress. And you first, Matt, you know, when you were talking about um, this notion of, of hope, uh, and I think it's important, I mean, where did Star Wars start? You know, A New Hope. And um, I think that, again, dating back then, and maybe it's kind of a cycle that's coming back, unfortunately, um, you know, you have, you have kind of to sort of look at big historic beats, you have kind of the post-Watergate, post-Vietnam era, um, the loss of innocence. You know, we all know it's these are things that are talked about commonly here in, in, in America. And so you, you come to a point where people say, understandably and rightfully so, we can no longer just be naive and kind of look at this, you know, idealized version of the world because because we owe it to reality to look at reality in the face and look at how you know ugly reality can be at times and that's a perfectly valid argument and again it's it's a right argument you cannot put your head in the sand but i think you then kind of cross a threshold and life is all for me about balance and you cross a threshold where you go too far and you become so embarrassed about the idea of innocence and the idea of this idealized world that to just think about it, to show it, to imagine it, to write it, becomes something that makes you feel dirty almost and silly. And here comes a guy who says, well, no. And, and and the thing is, you know, and he's shown as well that that's the thing. It's all about balance. He he's not a guy who's going to shy away from sh- shedding light in his own opinion, whether you agree with him or not, on what he believes are the realities of the world and the things we should we should not be afraid to expose. But he's going to try to balance it with, but you should also believe in something greater, and something that maybe you won't, maybe we can't achieve it, but at least believe in it because that sets you on the right path. And I think that the first, one of the first steps, if you're going to believe in it, is to then not be afraid to imagine it, not be afraid to show it, to write it. And then after that, you start to see, I think, George spread that into every aspect of his life and his career. You see that in the films, in the stories, the stories he tells, the films he makes, 
And you see him create that in the things that he creates around him, including his buildings, including, you know, where he invites people to be. Um, he tries to create something which which leads you to aspire. You know, even if you know that the main house, for example, is not representative of everyone's house in the real world, it makes you feel like whether it's by going back to your to your childhood or or, or moving forward, this is where this is where I want to be. This is the place. This is the world I want to live in. And if you and if you can visualize it, then you can start working towards achieving it. And I think that's a very important thing. And then, you know, the 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 second thing in I, I sort of picked up this pattern on on listening to this conversation. What we talk about is a very internal thing. You know, I've heard you guys mention several times looking into his heart, looking into inside, you know. And and I think that's a very important point. And John, you were talking earlier about perhaps some of the differences between someone like George Lucas and other filmmakers of his generation. And I think there's probably something to be to be mentioned there and it's important too, you know, if we're going to if you're going to try to kind of not teach but maybe have these words help other people you know it's about balance so it's important to be to be extroverted to have you know an image of yourself on outside of yourself and to be able to interact with society and so on but i think too often in our society again we 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 fall out of balance and we put pressure on image and and perception outside of yourself and we almost teach consciously or not condition children and later adults to kind of not that being inside of yourself being I'm almost embarrassed of saying introverted because there's such a dirty connotation to that is a bad thing you know that that's kind of like then you're you're sort of locking yourself in and there are values to that you want to achieve a balance but if you're somebody who 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 has kind of a strong internal voice um which others may say when you're a kid or young, you know, you're shy or timid or whatever, it's not necessarily such a bad thing because I think a big, one big thing that makes perhaps, and I'm, again, I'm just talking out of, you know, purely as a fan, maybe from my experience and having worked, you know, side by side with George for a while, but it, it's mostly really just my opinion, that's it, that the difference between him, perhaps someone like him and other filmmakers is that it's someone who, always acted out of what was inside of him, his feelings, his thoughts, his desires, his dreams. Um, and sure, does he enjoy the fact that now he can, you know, pretty much go anywhere and have top-notch quality, you know, service and, and make his life comfortable? I'm, I'm certain he does. I know he does. But it was never his motivation. It was never his, it was never his goal. And like I said, I would wager, and that's just me, that if you told him you can achieve everything you want creatively, but the sacrifice, the compromise is you will not be able to be known, you will not be able to be rich, none of it will go to you. I would bet everything I own, granted I don't own that much, that he would have said, that's fine. Um, whereas I think that some of these other filmmakers, and it's not to take away from their legitimacy, the quality of their work, I think they they did, and some still do have a, a a personal fire and stories to tell and and personal dreams of their own. But I think at that time, even when they were younger, before they became who they became, there was probably already kind of a 
wouldn't it be cool if I was the biggest, most powerful, richest guy in the world? It would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? And it's not necessarily bad, but it kind of then all, all of a sudden you're stepping a little bit outside of this thing that comes just from within, from the gut. You know, in martial arts, when they say it just the force doesn't come from from the punch, it comes from inside, from the from the gut. Well, that's 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 the force, literally and figuratively. And so, I think if if any lesson needs to be learned from that is, if you feel kind of like you're within yourself, don't be afraid of that. You know, it's it's okay. You gotta you gotta learn to be able to function in society, but um, it's okay to kind of have your own little world inside of your mind and your heart. It, if you, that can that can be a pretty powerful fire. I think it just it goes to speak to the force that George Lucas has been, you know, in in filmmaking and in, in the industry. Uh, and what I think is is so interesting, and I think what is so cool about George Lucas is that he's not just a force in that but he's a force of character that kind of continues on um, with his his altruistic nature of giving back. Uh, and I think of, you know, just the, the idea for him of the museum to celebrate, you know, visual arts, um, wanting to give that out of his own pocket, you know. Um, the same thing with doing with Skywalker um, and as you talked about, uh, for a little while with Big Rock was that kind of place, you know, and, and of course helping create ILM to make these dreams come true for other filmmakers, you know, <laughs> to have it easier than George did <laughs> when he was trying to create Star Wars. And I, I think all of that is is something that you can see and experience. And, and there is nothing better, as, as we got a chance to do, is just sit on that porch look out at this beautiful creation and and talk together um, as as people who care about each other. And, uh, you know, George has a great way of bringing people together. And I think that's, that's the whole spirit of Skywalkers, to bring people together. Uh, and I, I, what's great about it is that that spirit brought John and I together for the first time as podcasters who met through this um and uh it brought our us and a friendship with nick because of podcasting uh because of george lucas and what he created um and so it, that is an incredible thing and, and i'm just so honored to have been able to experience it uh with two people that um i admire and really respect um, and to be able to do that all because of a guy that we all admire and respect. And so, uh, if you're ever, uh, in the, in the San Francisco area, we highly recommend you try and check out Skywalker Ranch. Um, it's, it's totally worth it. Um, and I think, and I hope that it will be just as, and we hope it would be just as inspiring for you, um, and, and whatever kind of creative energy that would bring out in you. And so, um, you know, if you want to talk more about this with us, we would love to hear if you've been there and your stories um, or um, anything like that. Please do reach out to us. You can find us all over the place. Uh, we're on join. We're on Twitter at join nerd party. We're also on Twitter at the Jedi Masters. That's just the show Twitter handle. 
You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thenerdparty and, of course, on thenerdparty.com. And if you're there and you wanted to maybe send us a more personal email about something that you've uh, experienced with Skywalker Ranch or your thoughts about George Lucas or anything else, go to thenerdparty.com slash contact. But uh, that's not the only place that you can find us. Um, John, I know you're all over the interwebs uh, talking about various things, doing various shows. And so if people want to catch up, where could they find you? Well, I'm just going to say really quick, you can find me as Kessel Junkie online. Uh, You can find me here on the network co-hosting Great Shot Kid with Mike Schindler. You can find me over on Trek FM co-hosting Stage 9 with Mike Schindler. And you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. And... uh, to echo Matt, Nick, a deep and heartfelt thanks from us for uh, being our guide and uh, for being our friend. And uh, if people want to reach out to you online, uh, where can they find you? Uh, the best place is probably to find me on Facebook. Um, uh, I'm not social media shy, but I just don't want to have too many platforms. So it's kind of the only ones I use. And it's just my name, you know, Nick Anastasio. Uh, Nicholas, I think. Um, and uh, I am also on the Babel Conference, which is, you know, the, the private group from the Trek FM network, which you guys are both on. Um, and I'm quite active on there. I just love, I mean, it's a great, great space. It's what um, it's what Star Trek should be about, really. Um and uh, yeah, that's that's really it. I mean, I want to thank you guys um, for the friendship that we were able to forge for for coming here. I mean, you, John, you you're you've been on a, quite a whirlwind of moving, you know, your family, your house across states, um, and you make that you made the time to fly out. So it's it's you know it's it's something to be thankful and grateful for. And, and you, Matt, um, for you opened the doors um, to. Uh, a world that I've connected to in the last couple of years that's meant a lot to me. So thank you guys, uh, both of you. Um, and on that note, shout out to Mike Schindler as well, who uh, you know ha- had a great time recording with you. And I hope the sound's not too bad uh, on our on our little talk. Um, yeah. And uh, um, one one small postscriptum I'll add is just to conclude on what you were saying, Matt. Um, and because because I think it's important also to have the stories about Big Rock because Big Rock is kind of going to go into history. You know, it, it no longer really exists as a campus. Um, uh, you know, I I never saw it before we moved in during the Clone Wars, but um, I know that it existed as kind of just a structure. Um, and um, when George decided that we were too big um, to to be at the ranch and we needed to have our own place, which that in itself speaks a lot of of George. You know, um, he. He said, okay, well, I'm going to move you guys to Big Rock, but not yet. Hold on a minute. Because he was like, well, what is what is Clone Wars about? And what is Star Wars about? It's about the bridge between, you know, Eastern philosophies and Western philosophies, you know, um, a lot of, of East Asian designs and, and thoughts um, and Western storytelling. And so he said, and, and he basically what George did is, is he spent, I forget if, I want to say sometime between three and six months, going with his architects um, back to Big Rock. They don't. They didn't completely gut it, but they pretty much redesigned the campus, the building, so that it would become. You saw kind of the the style of architecture of the of the the main house and how he wanted to build this kind of colonial, you know, uh, style in the country. Well, he applied as much detail to Big Rock, but. He, but his idea was to have it be a blend of what could look at a distance like same thing, sort of like a country style 
place, but then would have all these subtle yet strong Eastern Asian influences in the design so that there were areas. If you walk towards the main entrance, it almost looked like you were about to walk into a pagoda or a temple. Mm. Um, and so, again, it's, it speaks to what is this building about? Was it, what is it supposed to inspire you to create? This? Okay, well, then let me spend time and my money to create something. And it was just, there was no other reason. It's not like he had an agenda of saying, okay, well, and then later I can then make money back on this or sell it or do that. He just did it so that it would be the ideal place for that specific bubble of creating Star Wars and the Clone Wars. So let that speak for itself. <laughs> Man, that that's, and it should. I mean, that, that should tell you everything you need to know about the man of George Lucas. And um, it's been a blast uh, getting to, to hang out and, and talk in person uh, to be with a very special episode here of Aggressive Negotiations. If you do want to find me, uh, you can find me on Twitter, MattRushing02. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at MRushing. You might find a few little nuggets from this weekend as we hang out if you're following me there. Uh, you can also find me here on the network, as Nick mentioned, doing uh, Owl Post with Treya Kaufman, where we're talking through each and every chapter of the Harry Potter series, which is fun because Harry Potter... The first book actually turned 20 years old this year. So as we're recording this, uh, it's so crazy. Um, you can find me also on the Track FM network that Nick mentioned, and I'm doing aggressive. I'm doing the 602 Club, our General Geek Show, as well as our Star Trek Deep Space Nine show, The Orb, with Chris Jones. And lastly, I do a show called Cinema Stories, and that is all about film and faith. We want to thank you, everyone, for joining us, uh, John. But I think. I think there's really only one thing left to say. I think it's time to close negotiations. Matt, negotiations are closed. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.